Hey Rick, would you like to coach more efficiently, be more athlete-centered, led by data, and get some awesome results? Oh, yes. All right, well then Coach Tools is the coaching platform for you. Coach Tools is a coaching platform with all the necessary coaching tools in one place, from planning sessions to caring about your people. It is an easy-to-use platform for coaches, head of coaches, managers, and directors with an athlete-centered approach. With efficient digital tools, you will save your time, improve the quality of your work, and enable you a way to succeed. Rick, why don't you go ahead and tell all the listeners all the benefits they'll get by signing up with Coach Tools? Well, first of all, you will be much more efficient with your practice planning because you can plan it within a couple of clicks. Then um, you can be proactive for your athlete overload with exertion follow-up. Um, what is also very, very beneficial, and that is actually my favorite part about Coach Tools, that you can build closer relationships and better trust with them and get and give feedback through an athlete-centered coaching approach. That's the hallmark of Coach Tools. Um, you understand much more better their moods, their expectations, their values and goals, because after every game, after every practice, they fill out the very, very simple questionnaire and communication is so, so easy. And you can set up cheats and you can set up all the goals and you can follow it up, you can follow it up very, very quick, easily. And then um, this is also very valuable benefit is you enhance the learning of your athletes. You can illustrate drills, content, uh, tactics with the drawing board and you can store it at all one place and you can access this all the time you can share it with your club you can share it with someone else with other coaches and then um, all the information are always available for athletes and the coaches just one click and it's very easy um, it's very easy designed on on top of this there are many many more valuable tools which you can explore when using coach tools yeah, so as Rick said, there's so much more that you can do with Coach Tools. And, and all of our listeners can get a 20% discount on their first year subscription. All you guys need to go is to go to www.coachtools.net. That's www.coachtools.net and click start free trial and just mention that we, we brought you there from the Coach Edward podcast. All right. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Coach's Road podcast presented by Coach Tools. This week, we are excited to share a conversation with David Min from the Seattle Kraken Youth Hockey. And it was really fun to finally have David on the show. He's someone I've known and talked with uh, for a few years about coaching and our thoughts and experiences and, and things like that. So it's great to get to know him a little bit more in depth and hear his story about how he got into coaching, what hockey has meant to him, and just overall about the the journey that he's had as a coach and what he's learned. So we're excited to share it with everybody and we hope everybody enjoys. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road podcast. Today, we are joined by David Min. David, thanks for taking the time and joining us here today. Um, right before we start, um, I was—I uh, heard that you, as a five-year-old kid, you were flying from South Korea to British Columbia. Do you still remember how that flight was? Oh, of course. Uh, it, it was very memorable. Um, I mean, I, I remember the good parts and, and I... 
I, I was a, I was an excited kid. Um, I had my backpack full of just toys, and I got dropped off at the uh, pickup location in Korea at the airport. And uh, um, the lady took me to the gate, and and yeah, you just kind of follow the adults that kind of told you where to go. And then um, yeah, met met my brother and my mom um, at the Vancouver airport, and had to find them once I. Um, uh landed um so it was a it was a fun trip for me it was a adventurous one so i'm lucky that it wasn't a um a negative one for sure yeah yeah it was cool to see there's a a good piece from you and i i can't remember the source now but um written on you and your kind of hockey journey and how much that sport meant to you as you started to grow up in in north america and um i i want to ask you about that because you know Rick and I, we both grew up and, and played hockey and played other sports in our native languages. And, you know, communication, everything was pretty simple. And, and I think it meant meant the same to us as it did to a lot of people and, uh, and things like that. But for you, it sounds like it was a little bit different where, you know, hockey was a, a good tool for you to learn English and kind of get with the, the culture of North America and, and after the move and everything. So can you talk about that a little bit and how much that meant to you early on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you hear many stories where people credit the sport of hockey, um, you know, having positive impacts in their life. And yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely another one of those people. Um, but yeah, it, it was different. Um, obviously, in, in South Korea, ice hockey is not uh, super well known. Um, yeah, there's ice rinks and things like that. But, um, you know, it's definitely not like a Minnesota um, or a Canadian, you know, sport feel when you're living there. So um, when I moved over from Korea to um, Vancouver, you know, you go through a lot of those immigrant struggles, right? So whether that's fitting in, language barrier, um, self-confidence and all that, all those kinds of things, hockey definitely helped out for sure. Um, I, I actually told my mom uh, when she... Um, when we arrived there and, and I think it was like a week or two in, she asked me just directly and I was like a five or six year old kid. Hey, do you want to go to school? And I just like looked at her. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> and, um, not just because of, you know, school is not the most entertaining thing for kids sometimes. Um, not because of that, but I think the, the reasoning was I, I was very shy and not very confident, um, and it just scared me just being around in a room full of kids that knew how to speak the same language and also looked similar um, than me. So I was like, the only thing I'm comfortable is being at the rink. And I just remember spending a lot of time, you know, that year and a half when I was supposed to go to school, uh, going to the rink in Burnaby um, and you know, just going to the golf course. So that's kind of what I did when, when we first uh, immigrated to BC. And, you know, like you mentioned, like with the language and everything, I went to the rink. I, you know, joined all these little training sessions, random training sessions mm -hmm. and whatnot and camps and teams and whatnot. And that helped me from a practical sense on hearing the language, how kids interacted um, and then at home, I would just watch TV on my free time. So um, I think on that article that you're talking about, I, I credit SpongeBob and, and that is very accurate. I would just watch that show all day and, and 
whatever words I learned that uh, throughout the show, I guess I would slowly use it and test it out uh, in the locker room or on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a confidence perspective, just the small interaction that you have on the ice when someone smiles at you after you make a nice pass um, or a goal or when a coach shows excitement when you do something good. Um, those things definitely helped me out with my self-confidence for sure. Yes, you were already touching on it a little bit now that um, your first interactions on the ice when someone told you that you made a nice play and everything. And um, if I think about myself, um, like obviously I grew up in Germany, then I was spending some time in Finland. Uh, last year I was uh, in Norway. And then going on the ice already in a different country is definitely a different feeling. And I can imagine that it's even a the feeling of the difference is even more bigger if you not move only countries, but if you move continents. And um, can you just also just describe more in depth how was it for you on the ice, like new language, new surroundings, different kids, um, what kind of feelings and uh, memories do you have from this time, especially from the beginning? I, I think it was actually very positive when I was a, a kid. Um very supportive, very inclusive, very community. Um, I always felt like somebody was helping me or, or, or family. Um, again, it's not just myself that doesn't know how to speak the language, but my entire family. So my mom and my brother would be at the rink and, and somebody would need to help communicate with them on like, oh, you should go to this team or you should go to this camp or this clinic so even small things like that that we don't really think about day to day um was a struggle but you know they had to manage that and then i would have to manage again just being on the ice and being in the locker room but for the most part when i was a uh, a younger uh kid like it was very positive um now fast forward like as you go through your teens and you get older um there's you know just in life you also encounter the not so great experiences but um i think it's a lot to do with perspective as well where um you just have to kind of manage it in a way where um you are able to grow and learn from any sort of negative situation if possible um not to say that that's an easy thing it's a very hard thing but if you are able to overcome that then i think there's a lot of good that you know you can take away from yeah Yeah, and i I think that's such a it's an important lesson to learn in it. And it's something that, you know, like you said, if you can learn from those negative experiences, even if they are, you know, not the best, then at least you're getting something out of it and you can kind of maybe spin it a little bit more positively in your mind. And I want to ask more about just your hockey journey. Cause now we've talked about the beginnings and coming over and starting on the ice and in BC. And then, you know, now sitting behind you is the Seattle Kraken logo and, um, you know, you've made it quite a far way in hockey, I would say, and, and um, I'm sure it's something that you're proud of. And I want to talk to you about that. How did you get to where you are? How did you kind of find your way in hockey? And, and what was that journey like along the way? Yeah, um, it, it, it sounds uh, weird in a way when I, when I speak out loud. Um, you know, when you're a kid playing hockey in Korea, you don't really have any um, goals or dreams. Um, you literally just play because it's fun. Um, Mm. it's not like I watch on television or you hear on the news or you hear from, 
you know, school friends or, or whatever. I mean, I, I didn't even go to school really in Korea, but like in your circle, hockey is not a prevalent thing where, hey, did you watch the game last night? Do you see that play? Do you see that highlight? Do you see that fight? Do you see or like hockey night in Canada? Like there was none, none of that. So without those things, I just fell in love with the sport for itself. And, um, you know, I think the, the thought of it when I was a little kid, the thought of just like, man, you can like just do this and get paid for it and make a living um, mm. really motivated me and, and really um, kind of driven me to like that, that singular thought um, kind of really helped me, you know, develop and shape my moral compass, I think, and self-discipline. And I know that sounds silly because you're like a five-year-old, but yeah. I, I think from a young age, that little dream or that little goal that I had was like this North star that I had um, all the way to now, you know, and, you know, you move to, you move to Vancouver and it's completely 180, right? Hockey night, yeah. uh, um, Don Cherry's on, on TV, um, Vancouver Canucks. And also there was a Korean player at the time in the, at, in the Canucks, uh, Richard Park. So I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, I didn't really even watch NHL. Like I had no interest in it because again, I'm not, there was no attachment when I was a younger kid, like this attachment of like, this is my home team and I'm going to follow up there. My ride or die. I just watched cause this Korean guy was on, on the ice. I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, maybe it is possible someday. Um, so I think the thought of like the sport and like some people do this for a living and then, you know, watching Richard Park play on TV, um, those two things really accelerated my love for the game um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then fast forwarding to kind of the, the end of your playing and the, the beginning of your coaching, when did you kind of decide that you wanted to get into the coaching side and, and what led to that decision? And, um, and the other piece of that, I, I guess, is like the motivation behind it. What, what motivated you to, to stay in the game and, and to, yeah, just explore the coaching side? Yeah. And the world of uh, my transition into coaching was definitely um, a curveball. I, I, had zero aspirations to be a coach growing up. I, like I said, I, I was just obsessed with playing. I loved, I just love the sport. I just want to play, play, play. And I think anybody that's currently playing right now will probably have that same thought. Um, you, you just want to extend your career as long as you can. And there's those like aspirations to make that triple A team or a junior A team or a, or division one or, you know, college and pro like things like that. So you know, my transition to coaching, I think um, a lot of it had to do with my upbringing, playing minor hockey, youth hockey, and the experiences there um, and the experiences that I had from a community sense. So, you know, from a from a day-to-day perspective, again, like I needed help all the time playing hockey. Mm. So it could be getting a ride to practice, a ride to a out-of-town game, uh, staying with another family or a teammate at a hotel. Um, so those experiences and memories, and then the experiences of youth associations and teams giving me a finan- a huge full ride financial, you know, ride to, to, to play the game, to play the sport and everything in between in terms of like, 
I have special mentors in my life that, again, like recognize the struggles that I was going through and they helped me give a, um, a helping hand. So all those things accumulated um, at a certain point when I was back home in Seattle uh, and I was volunteering at the youth association at the time and seeing those kids wearing the same jerseys that I wore as a kid. Um, it made me want to it, like it, it. I knew that all I was doing was pushing pucks or and I wasn't really entirely sure what even coaching meant. But I knew that I had a big responsibility if I had the tracksuit on because I know that how much um, positive uh, influence the game and the people around me had on me. So I was like, I have to pay it forward. Um, so there was that there was that emotional piece of it. And then, you know, I, I for whatever reason, people said I was doing a good job and, and fast forward a little bit longer, like the Snow King Amateur Hockey Association, they, you know, they graciously made a, a full time position for me, um, which kind of kickstarted that hockey uh, coaching career. Yeah, and especially like talking about because you were mentioning that um, when you were younger, you could not imagine to start coaching. And I think if you would ask uh, 20 coaches, um, you would get at least, I think, 10 uh, answers that are the same. Because for me, it's very, very similar. Uh, when I was young, uh, I when someone told me that, hey, have you ever thought about coaching when you're older? I, I always said no immediately. But then um, at some point, uh, I also... I also started coaching and uh, got recruited. And I think uh, also, based on my perspective, the longer you do coach, uh, the more you appreciate the profession, um, the more you appreciate the uh, little things uh, that you can do on a daily basis. Uh, I can also feel it right now. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, very satisfying feeling. As you said as well, that if you have that tracksuit on, uh, you have a big responsibility uh, towards the kids that you are teaching uh they have a big responsibility towards uh, the town you're working in you have a big responsibility towards the, the club you're working for uh so i think it's uh, very very cool and again like thinking about you also that uh, now you're able to uh, coach uh, the team that you were watching as a kid i think it's uh, very very cool and i think you have a very very cool setup there so i think it's a uh it's a uh, very very cool overall and um talking about your experiences especially like with some of the struggles that you had like for example such as getting a ride to the rink um i also uh remember that i gave uh my quite many times uh, during the last years especially when i was in finland uh, uh, to some kids uh, some rights and uh, it's a it's a very 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 satisfying feeling because uh, you're one-on-one -on -one, uh, you can have some more time with the kids uh, you talk with them not only about hockey so it's uh, and just also just uh, the feeling of picking up the kid from home uh, getting to know his routines driving back uh, it's it's a very very cool feeling but especially in your case uh, what does it mean to you if you can now in your position uh, give a kid the right to the rink what does it mean yeah no it, it's it's uh I always remind parents, you know, when I'm uh, if I'm like head coaching a team or something like how how much um, how much you don't know someone's struggles or their life 
Um, you only see someone at the rink for X many hours uh, per week. And, you know, people forget that there's life outside of the rink. And, um, yeah. you know, even as coaches, right, like we don't really sometimes think about how everybody's doing and, and what 6 a.m. to 12, 12 a.m. looks like on, on a person's day. And um, I try to encourage parents, like, try to try to help out and try to ask and 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 it's tough because like some people kind of have like well if you need help somebody would ask like well no, no. like it, it's also difficult to ask because people know you know like how much how much uh it means to them that somebody goes out of their way to pick someone up or something like that or, or not even that just offering the help um so i always try to create that sort of community um community thing in, in in like a in like a team environment um or just anybody that I meet. um but yeah it, it definitely impacts um impacts the people in a positive way for sure um and yeah like and, and to your point like earlier like just the coaching aspect like as a kid um i was a stick and puck kid so early on in my life um in the seattle area specifically I, I found out in the summertime, like there was open ice all the time. So I, I remember um, going to the rink owner, his name's Jamie Huscroft. Um, and I was like, hey, like, I love coming to the rink. Um, my parents at the time owned um, a, a restaurant that was five minutes away from the rink. And I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, I, I hate working there, <laughs> like helping out. So I was just like, hey, I would love to, like, what can I do to, um, you know, get a get a smaller stick and puck fee or whatever. And and he was so kind to me and said, you know what? Like, whenever I ask you to do something, you just do it. That could be anything from cleaning to picking up pucks to helping out camps or whatnot. And you know, I'm like a 13 year old kid, and and who knows if he remembers this, but like I just remember like, oh my god, he said yes to that. So I remember just. Showing up to the rink when stick and puck started could be at like 4.30 and it would go until like 8 or something. And I would just like, that would be like my pawn. Um, but at the same time, that creates a sense of loneliness and that creates a mm. sense of like, okay, what, what do I do? Like what, like what, like I'm skating around and I'm skating fast and I feel like I'm trying to do everything to shoot hard, but mm. you have no guidance. So I was a kid that was always in my head in terms of like, okay, I think like I got to work on this or I got to work on this or somebody that's older than me or I would see someone doing like a lesson and I would like mm. what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, like maybe I'll do the same thing. So I, uh, uh, my, my upbringing there in that window where like you're 13, uh, 19 or whatever, like I was constantly like trying to figure out like, what do I need to work on? So mm. I think part of my interest in coaching is you're in the world of trying to figure out the why and how. Yeah. So that's what really helps me, you know, have fun with this profession. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. And I, I think it's, it's really cool to start exploring that side of, of, you know, your upbringing and your, your childhood and hockey and, and things like that. And do you, do you ever reflect on and have any idea about, you know, now looking back at that time as a coach and, and seeing, you know, what kind of player you were, what kind of um, kid you were, your work ethic and everything like that. And just the, 
as well as the opportunities you had and the experiences you had, do you ever reflect back and say like, Hey, that's why I do this as a coach. And, um, you know, I, I make it an important or this is important to me because of this or, or things like that. And what are those things that you realize that, Hey, because of this as a kid, I do this as a coach. Do you have any actions like that or any, um, maybe values or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, I think it's a pretty, um, a, a diverse, um set of things that we can explore there like i mean there's this there's this culture perspective where you know the asian upbringing right like the the korean upbringing a little bit more old school and from a culture perspective there's that so the, the big emphasis on like hard work and compete and like that sort of thing and and that's a slippery slope because i think we all know that level and degree of um, that old school approach that's just too far where it doesn't really work anymore. Um, but I don't think it's ever going to go away, right? Like having a, a level of structure and discipline and grit and, and um, you know, encouraging that, I think that's very important. The game itself, like, is always going to be a tough game. It's, you know, not in the sense of like the clutch and grab era tough, but it's a different sort of tough. It's a modern tough now, right? Where it's speed skill mm. Um, mm. and there's a different level of contact. It's a more calculated contact. So um, there's that side of me there from a cultural upbringing. And then there's this other side where ever since I was little, um, and I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, Derek, but like, I found, um, so I think it was like first or second grade, you know, you got that home computer that's set up, you know, at your house. And um, as a kid, you know, I, my parents were hardly ever home because they were working, but I discovered this thing called YouTube. <laughs> my, my first search would be like ice hockey. And then like, you know, a bunch of clips show up and it's like games. And I was like, okay, like, I don't really know if, this is quite entertaining and then you keep on clicking and it shows a related video and it's like like top 10 goals and then <laughs> okay here we go and then you keep going and then you see pavel datsuk and mm. then when when i found that out i that was like a game changer as a kid i was like oh my gosh i look at this guy you know dance around these guys that are trying to absolutely destroy him so I think as a kid and even till even now, like this idea of um, just how you manipulate the puck and create deception was always a very big part um, of the way that I wanted to play um, and, and always has been an emphasis. And um, obviously now in the modern game, skill is um, not something that's like a rarity. Everybody's skilled and, and those mm -hmm. Some people are even at a different level of skill and speed. Um, so those th that's another element that's always been um, a high priority. Talking about Pavel Datsuk, I think uh, without a doubt, it has been one of the most interesting players in terms of how he applied skill to his game uh, because it was always very different uh, based on the situation even though he was uh, doing something like something similar that he's done previously but just his application of like 
techniques and skills uh, has been very interesting. I think almost every kid growing up was watching Pavel Dazio clips. And I think even today, if you found uh, an older Pavel Dazio clip, it doesn't hurt to watch it because it's uh, definitely very interesting. And talking about this, um, I know that uh, you and Derek, the both of you have something in common. Uh, both of you had a lunch with Ty Hennis at some point. And I just want to ask you, uh, what kind of influence does Ty Hennis has on how you think about skill acquisition, how, how, how it's taught in hockey? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I vividly remember. Yeah. So, so, you know, Ty has experience here in, in Seattle and, um, the hockey director, um, that I worked for prior to here, um, obviously had a connection with him and we, we had lunch before and, um, yeah, in that, I think it was a dinner, um, actually. And in that dinner, I single like that. I just remember like, oh, my God, like it all makes sense to me in terms of like, this is how much I don't know. And these are like now the things that I, I need to research. And these are the types of things I need to, um, you know, uh, work towards and things like that. And and I mean, he's such a, a genuine guy uh, that answered all my silly questions then and all my silly questions now. So um, he he approaches the game in such a different way um, where it's I, I think a lot of the times I've experienced things that was I, I need to find a better word for it, but it's like the pseudoscience hockey type of explanation to something um, where it's very generic, where it's like, oh, no, you pull the puck back, puck back for more power. And then you just kind of go with it, like as a kid. Mm. Right? But yeah. like someone else, like this guy, Ty, is like he he is able to answer with such level of detail, depth, and um, and that extra layer of like that medical background of physiology and and, and cognition. It just like it makes so much sense the way he breaks it down. Um, and not only that, he can demonstrate at <laughs> at an elite level. Um, which also is just like he, he's like the total package. So um, after that, you know, that definitely motivated me to um, work on my coaching game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same for me. Rick mentioned that, that we both had that experience and, you know, you know him much better than I do. I've just worked a couple of camps with him back in Colorado and, just seeing the the level of detail he has, not just for the technical skills, but just for the coaching overall. And um, it, it really makes you know, like as a young coach, it puts a good role model in your head for like, hey, this is this is what good coaching looks like. And um, this is the, the level of work that is required before a practice, after a practice, during a practice and and the level of communication and, and just everything. You know, it, it is a good role model as a coach. And. I think I, it's I, so valuable. Yeah. I think it's so valuable for him because he's kind of mastered every stage of hockey in terms of mm. I mean, he's. I mean, from a career perspective, I you know th there's a high level of um, playing there, but also from you know he's mastered the world of youth hockey through USA Hockey, mm. and then um, you know he's he's worked in like a larger association scale jumping around from, you know, the AHL guys and East Coast, like he's mastered every spectrum and you can definitely see that. So he can kind of dominate in that 
teaching world in terms of every every little um, level. So it, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy to uh, witness if you're ever on the ice with him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, the three of us, I, I would say that we're all still pretty young coaches um, and definitely on the shorter side of, of a career in, in coaching compared to, you know, someone like Ty Hennis and, and a lot of the other people out there that we can learn from. And, you know, I have a couple of questions about that for you and, and what that means and, and how you've been able to take advantage of that in ways. And I just started up school again a couple of weeks ago. And one of the big researching, um, or not researching, but one of the big themes that I'm coming across in my schoolwork is the importance of mentors in, in coaching. And becoming an expert level coach is nearly impossible without expert mentors. And um, I, I want to ask you about that. We've talked about Ty Hennis. We've talked about, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name already, but the, the guy at the rink that allowed you to have, um, you know, some stick and pucks and stuff like that. Are there any other mentors in, in your coaching now that you can look at and say like, hey, this person has taught me a lot, um, developed me a lot and helped kind of push me as a coach? And, and what have those relationships meant to you? Yeah, so many. Um, and that gentleman was Jamie Huscroft. Um, right. you know, he was he's the director of facilities here, um, managing Snow King hockey. And in that same um association, Doug Curtin, who is another hockey director there. I mean, those those two guys really helped me um network with guys from USA hockey, other ex NHLers and things like that. And uh, yeah, I think there's so many experiences and moments that I've had just being able to be a sponge in the room and just kind of listen. Um, you know, a huge fan of USA Hockey, so many great connections there. Um, and I love working at their camps, whether it's from the state level or or, or something that's higher. Um, you know, Joe Bonnet, I think we all know Joe Bonnet, and, and he's a fantastic guy as well. And I mean, it, it just goes down the list, but like there's so many of those folks. And I think mentorship is the single reason why um, I'm able to learn and, and able to gain a, a, a new level of confidence um, every time. And, and I mean, you guys too, right? Like just having discussions um, gets you to self-reflect, gets you to always kind of have a, a, a little reality check and, and whether that's from a philosophical perspective um, or, or just like navigating in the career space in itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think it's so important to find somebody that um, you think is a good fit for you from a mentorship perspective. Talking especially about uh, mentorship and talking about uh, the organization you are working for, Seattle Kraken. Um, I think um I think a very, very valuable resource for every coach is the NHL Coaches Association. And they provide free webinars. Uh, it's uh, very, very cool. And I was watching one presentation from uh, your assistant coach from the Kraken, Paul McFarland. And just as an example, like the level of depth, uh, the level of knowledge and the level of detail they put uh, in one sequence of the game is uh, so fantastic to watch. And within watching 30 minutes uh, and just listening to someone who is uh, coaching uh, at the level you want, like you want to work the way with the players, these people work with the players. And I think um, it was an excellent presentation and excellent insight about um, like how 
important it is to be so detailed and on the other side of the coin is that what you were saying also now like when someone is mentoring you when someone is providing you information and helping you i think it's a, a very 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 good and i think uh, just the presentation like within those 30 minutes i've uh, learned so much and uh, it's uh, it's a uh, very very uh, useful yeah so coming coming from a nonprofit um youth association which was yeah. and snoking probably is still a little bit bigger than us so they're they're they are the number one um youth association in the state of washington the biggest um but they are a nonprofit, right so limited resources to agree uh it's a different setup and and now that i'm at you know at an nhl club to your point mm. it is unbelievable the amount of people i get to rub elbows with um and you know a 30 second conversation um you can still pick up a gold nugget from that experience and moment and i mean this this organization I cannot say enough good things about, and one of the biggest things I think is just the um, relationship and the respect that everybody has towards each other. Mm -hmm. um, obviously there needs to be structure and things like that. Um, and the level of respect within departments and, and there's those kind of dynamics, but it, it is such an open environment. Like whether it's your CEO or president, you know, they will say hi to you. And mm. whether it's the um, the pro the pro staff, like they will say hi to you, and and they will give you at some point an experience where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that you said this to me. This like there's so many of those things that's happening, and um, you know, for me in my department too, like the hockey director that I work for now, Martin Halenka, my colleague Caitlin Parker. Um, it goes down and down. Like every every person that I work with, they're at a, such an elite level of what they do. Um, every day is a definite learning opportunity for me. So I'm super grateful and 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 super happy of the position that I'm in. Yeah, talking about this because um, I have had I have had in the past similar experiences, and now um, I'm making similar experiences as well. It's uh, so amazing from. When you're working in an organization and um, as you as well if you have the privilege in working in a like in your case in a nhl organization um in my case i've been working in a, a very very good legal organization i've been working last year in norway um with uh, very very good people there as well and now i'm working again for the l club and just it's um very very nice feeling if uh, people come to sue and to you and say hello or like you said the general manager or the like um the the u20 coach or the coach coach from the professional team it's an absolutely amazing feeling and um speaking about specifically your situation that um you explained to us a little bit also how the like situation with the rings is in the kraken and that uh, every day you have the possibility to like see the people on the ice practicing them with them working on the players just by being so close and having the possibility to see them every day on the ice uh, what can you take away from this uh, like from a practical point of view as well yeah I, th I think um, you know I mentioned before like it's not like so open where right after practice you walk down and talk and and, and I mean you have to respect 
you know, their time and, and their process and their, yeah. Um, yeah. but like, I think just for me, even the fact that you could see um, an elite player move around, um, yes. just getting your eyes always adjusted to that level of play. Um, you can pick out habits, you can pick out um, certain trends and, and movements that players make. And um, I think that in itself is a valuable resource, like without even talking to anybody else, seeing seeing that level of pace and speed, um, you can definitely pick out um, important aspects and habits uh, from an individual uh, individual skill perspective and just the um, the way the way they play together and mesh together. So um, a definitely a, a great a great place to be for sure. And you have a you have a few. I'm a bit uh, let's say uh, let's say jealous. You have a few. Uh, Former St. Louis Blues players on the roster with Jane Schwartz and Vince Dunn, uh, so it's uh, <laughs> it must be. Uh, I don't mean jealous, I thought, but uh, yeah. Rick, I thought you were a Chicago fan. Oh, of course, Chicago. No, no <laughs> St. Louis. Uh, but of course, I keep following those players, and it's uh, fun to see them playing for the with the Kraken logo now and uh, seeing the success they had. And um, I think, yeah, um, as you said as well, that it must like. Also, for me, if I remember when I go to watch, uh, when I was uh, coaching in Lahti, when I watched uh, U16 practices or U20 practices, just uh, like the details the coaches were putting in and the details, the um, like the execution of the players, how detailful it was already. And then like even it was already like on a very high level, like how the coaches are able still, even on such a high level, still to pick out something and help the players to work on a specific thing to uh, improve it's a, it's it's a it's a great way of learning i think if you have the possibility to go and watch uh, practices or if you're if you're around and you can see them on a daily basis i think yeah. um I, i think a unique thing that even i'm not even used to yet just just because of how fast we are developing and moving and everything yeah. but You know, when I was playing or even the generation now that the kids that are older now that are like 14 or 12 and up, um, you know, the younger kids that are starting to play hockey here, not only do they grow up to play in a beautiful facility yeah. um, wearing the same logo as the big guys, but, you know, you have all these special moments. So like our NHL learn to play in our graduation, we might have our mm -hmm. mascot, but we come by and have a photo and have an experience there. We might have giveaways. We might have a player appearance. Um, and all these things, I think, are so important for this area and for this sport and, and for those that are in our building because I remember specifically growing up playing here as a kid, like not having any attachment to anything. Mm -hmm. right? You have a couple of WHL teams. You know, we have the Seattle Thunderbirds. We have the Everett Silver Tips, um, and we have some others. Um, on the eastern part of the state but it's not to that level of like aspiration um, that this NHL team brings and I think it's so special and I think it has a, a really special and unique um, spark uh, that these kids um, have you know when they when they have their entry to play so um, I, I think it, I think those things are very important and very cool because I know that, like, I remember as a kid not having that. 
So like for some else, some some other kiddo to have that growing up, I feel happy for them. So those are special moments for me as well. Yeah, yeah, and just with the the playoff success this year, and just the the way the team's been building the last two years, and we mentioned it before we started, but just being able to see the logo when you go to the grocery store and you know, they have a beer named after them and um, everything around this community. Um, obviously, the beer is not for the kids, but uh, um, there, there's a lot of hype around it. And it's cool to see how hockey is, um, thanks, Rick, uh, how hockey is growing in this um, community. But I, I want to talk more about these opportunities because obviously a great opportunity working with an NHL organization, seeing hockey at a high level. But you've also mentioned some of the opportunities you've gotten through USA Hockey and, and some of the other chances you've had to experience camps and, and um, clinics and things like that. And um, I know you're about to, to head to, is it in Dallas or Colorado Springs for Western regional high performance camp here in the next day or two. And I, I want, I want to ask about those experiences as a young coach. What have those meant to you? And, you know, maybe the, the players are obviously younger, not at a high level, but the, the coaches from my experience at those camps are at a high level and seeing high level coaches, what has that meant to you? And, and is it comparable to, to being every day in, the, in an NHL organization? Yeah, I, I, those are very unique opportunities. Um, and not only does my year um, get filled with other aspects of coaching to, to keep it fresh and different, like it could be evaluation. It could be um, leading a clinic. It could be, a, it could be an assistant position, pushing pucks or – um, something different, right? Like, so whether it's USA hockey or some other camp that I'm a part of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one very excited, um, not only to just be on the ice, uh, and, and meet the kids and new players, um, but to meet the new people, because I think the mm -hmm. more people that you meet, it's an opportunity for you to pick their brain and, and take away something from it. So, um, you know, every USA hockey camp that I've been with, um, whether it's at the state district or um, I'm not going to nationals this year, but like it's, it's, it's such a cool experience because you get to meet all these people from other parts of the uh, country or world. And you have a, a moment where you can share and ask questions. And, and, and if you're lucky enough, you're, you're in a more intimate group with them. So you're saying something with them. And, and those are very exciting moments. Um, a new thing that I'm doing is running my first international camp um, in Bangkok. And Derek, you're a part of that. So th that will be a very interesting experience as well. And um, that will be very different, creating those relationships and other cultures. And I know you guys have tons of experience with that, but I, I don't not. And especially in that part of the world, um, Thailand, um, very inter interested to see how things work there and have some con unique conversations there as well. So, yeah, all these little events that um, I'm lucky to be a part of, I'm very excited all the time to be on the ice, um, to get another repetition on, you know, coaching and, you know, to interact with the, the experts in the room and, and, and to pick their brains. So very, very cool opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it is and it's something that you, you mentioned at the beginning, like, it's important to be able to learn from, from any opportunity, even if, you know, a lot of the things that I think we've all been through and in, in coaching have been really positive experiences. Um, but even if you can learn from something that, you know, is just kind of an, an everyday um, 
experience, you know, if you can take something away from that, or if it's even a negative experience, taking something away from that. I think that's a, a good mindset to have. And I, I think a good, like the best experiences are ones where it's really easy to take something away. Um, Cause then it's, you know, it makes your job easy, but uh, you know, making the most out of everything is, is really important. I think as a young coach and I, I want to ask as well, um, cause again, starting school and, and seeing some themes in kind of the literature around coach education and, and things like that, they talk a lot about, you know, having a definition of success as a coach and, you know, having that be more than just the, the results you see on your teams or anything like that. So I want to ask you, like, how, how has that developed for you as a coach and, and kind of where did that definition of success start for you and, and has it evolved since, um, I, I would say, I don't know how long you've been coaching, eight, nine, ten years at this point, but um, how has that evolved since the beginning? Yeah, um, I think my first little bit coaching, I had the same feeling as um, that lonely kid at Stick and Puck. Like, mm. I think I think this is kind of the right answer. I think this is it feels a little bit right this time doing it this way versus that way. So um, there was a lot of that. Um, I, I was at the, at the beginning, you know, again, I had a really good mentor, Doug Curtin, and he was always um, exposing me to people from USA hockey. And that really helped me um, get into that framework of that philosophy that they preach. Um, but Again, I think the hard part of coaching sometimes everybody has a different environment in their in their earlier coaching days, um, and and hopefully it's a good one. But what I had that was very special was that I had the ability to get or or have a repetition of coaching, whether it's a, a, a learn to play beginner world to like an eighteen U double A and everything in between from double A AA to triple A within that club. So not only did I get high volume in terms of like different age groups and things like and, and getting lots of diverse repetition, because um, obviously the way you lead a big learn to play class is very different on how you speak with a bunch of 17 year olds. So mm. getting that repetition and that covering the spectrum seven days a week was very helpful um, on just public speaking or, or just the just the vocalization of coaching. Um, but at the earlier stages, I did have struggles in terms of like, I, 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 I'm teaching them this and it feels right. And, and some of the people are really enjoying it, whether it's like the assistant coaches or whatnot, but I didn't have someone constantly checking in and challenging. So that was really tough. But like I told you, that's when I met Ty and he broke something down to a degree that I was never able to break down when I was at that earlier stage. And, and you know, it's even hard to do it now. But mm. like the motivation now is at that level of like, OK, if, if I want to teach someone something, got to have that level of detail. Yeah. Um, and then how do I now explain it, teach it to a wide variety of people with different personalities? And it's a different, we all know it's different, you know, having a session of four players versus 40 or 70, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you have to know how to um, navigate those different types of environments. So 
at the at the beginning very like felt very lost but also confident at times and 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 it was really confusing right because again you don't have that person on you for every session checking in challenging but now i think i feel a little bit better about um how to intake new information and then like having a peer of people to ask questions like hey guys what do you guys think about this and then and then now you have the practice of doing it um on a particular group so i don't know if that kind of helps answer that question um but yeah um speaking also about like when you think about uh, leading a session for 40 people and coaching a session for 40 people like um the question i'm always um, asking myself how do you maximize the learning and i uh, think that of course um depends a little bit on the setup um if it's a camp setup on anything but of course if you have the possibility to explain a lot of things in advance and uh, you have uh, the possibility to um show everything a lot of things as visually as possible and uh, i think that is that is very very important and um talking also one more time about uh, Ty Hennis. Uh, the both of you had the uh, possibility to meet him in person. Uh, I was mentioning uh, previously the NHL Coaches Association, and uh, I was also watching one presentation from him on there. And as you say as well, like just the level of knowledge he has, and then the level of practical application he has for something is uh, very, very interesting to see. And then uh, you think about, okay, what he's doing there? Uh, how can I apply this to what am I doing? For um, as a, also an example from my side, that uh, um, one of my responsibilities this year is, for example, working with the forwards and how do I uh, design forward specific uh, like activities, drills, call it however you want it, uh, that fit into like uh, the like what he is preaching all the time uh, into the the approach of his uh, view of skill acquisition. So I think that's uh, very, very interesting. And um, I think it's, uh, yeah, as both of you said, that like just the knowledge he has, but then also to see on a video, like the practical application is uh, uh, very, very good. Yeah, I think the, I think that, I think that those that are are, are, are um, that are master class at coaching, um, they're very comfortable and they're very knowledgeable on the idea of transfer. So mm-hmm. we all, it's really easy. I mean, a volunteer coach that has been coaching for two months can have this idea of movement repetition mm-hmm. and like just, okay, we know how it looks like. So this is what we do. And you're kind of stuck in that world of blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we all know, that's not the game. And mm-hmm. how do we get, uh, you know, how do we get an athlete um, to go through that complex system of learning where it goes from a singular thing to uh, a multidimensional, like it, it could be a read and then ap- application of, of, of those, you know, movements in a different situation because the game mm-hmm. is so random and variable. And then like, get it to that transfer where they can do it in a game. And it may seem very linear in terms of like, it goes from A, B, C, and D, but I, I, 
I think it's, it's, it's much more complex than that. Um, you know, so, and that sort of mystery also is why I think we all kind of coach, right. Trying to figure out who can crack it the best, who can, um, do it the best. Um, because that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a good driver. Um, and it's fun. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think one, uh, important, uh, piece of the recipe in order to who can do it the best is that, uh, you you're not trying to do everything by yourself is uh, and that you're working with other people because as you said as well that picking other people's brain and uh, just uh, working with them it's uh, it first of all benefits you a lot and secondly it helps everyone as well if you are because we are talking also constantly on the podcast about how essential it is to have other resources around you to include everyone around you because it just makes everyone better and at the end of the day uh, we as coaches want to improve, the players want to improve, and uh, I think it's, as you said, it's uh, very, very important to pick up other information from other people. And also speaking about this one more time, what you were mentioning previously, of course, if you, for example, see something good from somewhere, um, of course, you can apply it to your practices, but first of all, like going back to the example of what I was talking about with Thai Highness that like this presentation it's uh, amazing for me to see and also the practical work he's doing but how can I use this information for my like personal coaching for my for the team that I'm working with for the players that I'm working with uh, so I think that's uh, very very important to to consider and that's also because uh, we are talking also about a lot that uh, every team is uh, every team is different. Every team has different needs, and I also like the way that you described it, like um, previously today, that like every person is on the team um, has so many different individual like needs. They need to work on on like so many individual like just from a physicality standpoint of view. So like you have. You talk to 20 people and uh, they have 20 different things so uh, it's uh, exactly. and then it's a masterpiece of like especially if you're coaching a team sport to bring everyone together um so if we're like of course that goes a bit into a different round now but if we are thinking about individual coaching they how advanced it is in the way that how much time they just spend with one athlete in order to help the athlete to improve is it let it be like participating at uh, olympic games how much uh, time they just spent with them i think that's always something that's very fascinating yeah yeah well it's it's good that you guys are still trying to figure out how to do it best because i know that i'm doing it the best so it's um <laughs> it's uh it's nice I, that you guys are still behind what, once you finish what is it the second season is ted lasso i mean that's enough for you to coach right so <laughs> uh, exactly exactly no that i i do stand by that that show is pretty much everything you need to do everything you need to know to start coaching is, is in that show um no that's um um that's i think uh, a, a good place to kind of start to to wrap this up and david we always ask one final question of our our guest and it's just if you have any final, you know, maybe piece of advice, things that we didn't touch on here that you want to say or, or anything, you know, just to close us off here that would help coaches out there understand a little bit more about what we talked about today or a little bit about more, a little more about how you coach or anything like that. 
Oh, wow. Uh, it's a loaded, loaded prom. I think, um, I think, uh, just the, the, the continual, uh, desire to learn, um, and to have fun with it at the same time. Right. Like for me, um, you know, I, I should write this down somewhere and, and it's hard for me to vocalize, uh, with all the crazy thoughts in my head. Um, but I think if you're, if you're a good student, and then if you're a good person, I think those are two solid things um, that, that are good drivers for you to work towards uh, to become a good coach uh, or to become a good teacher. So I think those, those two simple things is just kind of what helps me, um, you know, stay focused, I guess, every day. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Good. I think that's a, that's a great, great message. And, um, a lot to take away from to today's conversation. It was really nice to, to just get to know you a little bit more and, and hear a little bit more about your thoughts. So really appreciate the time and um, and thank you for coming on. And I'm glad we were able to make this work and, and glad we got to hear about you and, and your coaching. So thank you. Thank you, guys. So one more time, big thanks to David Min for taking, taking the time and joining us here today at the Coaches Road podcast. I think it was a very, very good conversation about um, David's pathway and about coaching in general and about hockey as well. Um, I really liked it was more or less at the beginning uh, when David was talking about what a big responsibility it is to wear the tracksuit and uh, it really makes you also think about the meaning behind wearing the tracksuit. As I was saying also in the episode, it's uh, you represent the logo, you represent the city, you represent your club. And most of all, you also represent the people you are working with and uh, you're representing your players you are working with. So I think it's a, it's a very, very cool message to, that you can be aware of every day you step on the ice. Yeah, I, I think... It's definitely a quote I'm going to steal and, and use just in my everyday work. And I think knowing that and and realizing that every time you step on the ice, that you have a responsibility to create a good environment, to, to keep the kids safe, to keep them engaged and to keep them in the sport and to keep them in movement. It's, it's something that you kind of have to remember every time you step on the ice, because I think that helps kind of reset your mind you know like for me I can see myself when I have a bad day you know in the office and then I have to go and coach practices I, I sometimes I can be pretty mean to be honest and and that's something I'm still working on so it's like you know maybe if I just step out of the coach's room and, and wait at the door before I get on the ice and just say to myself like hey remember my responsibility and and remember you know I have I have to keep this safe and keep this fun and keep this engaging and, and then step on the ice. And I, I just see it as a little bit of a reset, you know, when you're having a tough time as a coach, when you kind of lose maybe a little bit of that clear why, or you're going through just a little rough patch or whatever, then you can kind of think back to that and say, Hey, I, I'm doing this to, to create, you know, memories for kids and, and, and kind of help them, uh, find a love of the game and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's just something to always keep in mind. And I really enjoyed it. And it was something that was really similar that he said right after that was 
always being able to offer help or always being willing to offer help to people because you never know what that means to someone and you never know like behind the scenes what someone is going through and you know what um what that help might mean or what that offer might mean to them so always being willing to to help out and lend a hand and you know give someone a ride if they need it or stay a couple extra minutes late until their parents come or whatever you know it's it's just something that I I think it's just a good message for all coaches to hear is you never know what that's going to mean to someone. Yeah, and also like um, if you think about like overall just after the practices or before the practices or when you're working to, uh, for example, to the gym uh, with your players, uh, take the time and uh, talk with them about something that is uh, maybe you've been observing during the last days uh, when you have the feeling that there's something that's how it's should be usually um, I think uh, it's uh, it's a very very essential because again it shows one more time that uh, we as people care about them as athletes and as a person as well so I think uh, it's very very important that uh, as David said that we offer our help um, to to the to the people we are working with to the players that we are coaching to everyone around us because um, yeah it's uh, just it just as he said as well we don't know. Uh, what a what a big big help it can be for someone and maybe in what kind of situation someone that help it is so help yeah. is always always uh, very very important yeah and it can come back to you as well right exactly. it's, it's the the whole idea of karma and having and good karma right like if if you're willing to help out then you know people are going to be willing to help you out as well and 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 david shared an example of that when he was talking about just stick and puck as a kid you know he wanted to go and so the deal was help me out and, and I'll let you go to stick and puck. And, and I think that was something that, you know, is pretty common in not just the hockey community, but I would say the sports community overall. And I, I think it, it's such a, um, it's such a valuable piece to have because then when you, when you start to kind of realize what that community can mean, you can kind of get back from that community. And, and that's where it can kind of um, the, I'm kind of circling around it right now, but the the kind of mentors can kind of come back and help you. And then as you grow into your role as a coach, then you can kind of help younger coaches and stuff like that. So I think that's, um, yeah, it, it, it's just necessary, I think. Yeah. And uh, talking about mentors, I think um, it was very interesting to listen to uh, David, how um, appreciative he was of his mentors mm -hmm. of all and like how he was yeah. really like, um, showing the willingness to be mentored and really trying to pick up as much as possible uh, from every person that he could be mentored by. And uh, I also really liked it that how, how he is emphasizing that how essential it is to uh, pick other people's brain, um, yeah. talking about hockey and talking about coaching and talking about specific situations. And um, that also goes back to if you're, if you're willing to share knowledge, then other people are also willing to share other aspects of the game, for example, with you. And um, I think that also equals a little bit with his final message again, that um, if you are, if you're willing to be a good student um, or like a good learner and uh, you always want to, you show curiosity, you show that you want to get better and you show that you, and you show your interest, uh, then um, I think it's a very, very good requirement. And um like as 
and it helps you at the end also a lot. Uh, so overall, so I think that was also a very important piece of the conversation. Yeah, and you know what I really liked is he was really thankful for his mentors and what they've taught him, but he's also yes. able to pull things out from other sources, you know, and mm. even sources that may not necessarily be a mentor for him or or be yeah. a good experience he can he can pull something out of and yeah. and that's an important skill as well and you know i've said it before on this podcast but we had coach d back in in viramaki and I, I think that that was some sort of lesson that we learned is pulling something out from something that pulling pulling learning out from a source that may not necessarily agree with your philosophy 100 right and um, still being able to learn from that experience or from that person is, is a really valuable tool as a, as a as a coach and even if it's something that you know you you see and you're like hey I don't think that'll work for me I don't I don't need to try that now you know like that kind of thing um, it, it it just adds to your toolbox kind of thing so I think that was a really important lesson that, that David had learned as well um, it, it, it's it's just really valuable and um, I think. For me, the the other final piece for me is just that um, the the opportunities and learning from those, you know, and, and being able to jump on those. I had my my first hockey director, Michelle Amadon. She told me that um, you have to be willing to to volunteer and to kind of go through the grind and and show that you're a hundred percent committed to working in this job and and everything like that. And I, I can't remember exactly, but she, I think she said that you know the first five or six years or it might have even been more was just volunteer for her and mm. um you know and it's it's something that you have to be willing to um kind of just put yeah. in the the, the work and yeah. and of course the, the opportunities that we were talking about in the episode with david are, are good opportunities for sure um but just being willing to jump at every opportunity i think is, is a really valuable lesson yeah. for young coaches well. yeah no, exactly and i think it's a uh very important to you that um, coaching is a profession that uh, you build progressively and coaching takes a lot of time um, in order to, yeah. to coach and in order to like, to be a coach. And like, um, and we are, we were talking about help that uh, again, like help in this is also so important because it's uh, not something you can just do by yourself. You always depend on other people. So um, the more, volunteer work you are willing to do the more interest you show the more you are, want to be mentored all these kind of things uh, end up helping you to become a coach and as well as the more you're willing to help so i think everything is linked with each other everything is connected and it's uh, very very crucial that um, when you start coaching as you as your director of uh, development said michelle that um, it's so so important to that you show that you're willing to do some voluntary work uh, at the beginning of your if you of your pathway yeah and yeah. i think it's it's good to hear especially when you start because if i think about myself i was i was doing a lot of volunteer work but uh, i had uh, i was not so conscious 100% that um, how how essential it is i mean i started with a volunteer social year you have a lot of volunteer possibilities in Biromeki and everything. So, um, but it's just, I think, especially when you start coaching and you have someone that tells you that it's uh, very, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, USA Hockey just had their annual um, dinner or celebration. Or I'm not yes. sure what it's called, but they, you know, all of their volunteers got recognized there. And 
And I think it just shows that, you know, once again, it's important to show that you're willing to volunteer, but it's also important to remember that our jobs and, um, you know, the whole sporting world wouldn't exist without volunteers. So it's, yes, it's important exactly. to recognize the, the impact they make as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also for myself now, I'm working with a new organization this year again and, um, uh, and realizing how many people are involved uh, in the background and how many people are making it possible that you can um, execute your job on a daily basis. I think it's uh, something we need to learn to be conscious about and something we need to appreciate more and more. And uh, I think it's very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Just always remembering who, who is allowing you to, to do your yes, dream exactly. job pretty yes. much. It's, it's yes. important. Yes. Yeah. Um, I but I think that's, that's a good it. place. Yeah, yes. I think that's I think a good place to wrap it up for today's conversation with David Men. Um, and we appreciate his time and, and really thank you again to David um, for joining us and, and talking coaching and talking, you know, about his road and everything like that. And we appreciate everyone that's listening and, and supporting the show. And um, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another episode of the Coaches Road Podcast. Mm-hmm.